Hey everyone, welcome again to another episode of the East Tennessee Pop Culture Podcast. Uh, today we have, uh, well as usual, Kaylin, me, and I'm Michael. And this is Kaylee. And today we're going to be talking about remakes, uh, reboots, and adaptations. Uh, it seems to be a pretty good trend they're doing nowadays to uh, take stories and narratives and to reappropriate them into uh, something new either to upgrade it in mm-hmm. you know, a reboot or to adapt it from one medium to another, so for example, uh, video games to film. And uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about our opinions on that and um, some good examples, some bad examples. So uh, let's get started. Uh, what do you guys feel is, um, what's, what seems to be the good, a good examples of uh, reboots nowadays? Uh, well, if I had to say the one of the movies that we um, that we reviewed this this uh, this season was a reboot that or or um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess you could say that because Tomb Raider Tomb Raider had movies before and they rebooted it alongside of the the video games as they rebooted as well. Um, and I thought that they did a very good job of that and and taking the taking the same. St- kind of story and giving giving it a new spin it was really nice yeah it's always good to uh have something that you're a fan of and familiar with and to um have it kind of expand or told to you in a different way um Mm -hmm. especially video games where it's more interactive and you're kind of driving the story with your actions and then for them to take it into uh tell the story into, into a movie uh it can be good on some parts. Like you said, Tomb Raider was pretty good, but um, some other uh, some other cases it can be bad. Like, for example, the uh, Super Mario film. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't too good. Um, and it's kind of an interesting... That's an interesting case because the game... Uh, one would wonder how you could turn it into a movie and, and tell a story, but then also it, it, it itself doesn't really have... Uh, cutscenes or, or a story. It, it's uh, one of the earlier games, but uh, and of course nowadays they're more making the games a little bit more cinematic. But um, yeah, how do you how can you tell a story with basically with little source material? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean you can only go so far. I think with something like that, I'm not super familiar with the movie, but I am familiar, like you know, of course, with the video games. Grew up playing them, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I think you can only do so much with the content that you're given, yeah. especially since you are going to be doing like a reboot or, a, a, I guess, more so an adaptation really is what this would be. Um, it's kind of hard to do that when it's not, it wasn't necessarily created for that purpose. But uh, it's kind of interesting too, because like we said, there's some good examples, bad examples, and one of the good or at least okay ones I'm thinking of now is uh, Mortal Kombat. Because that's a, another interesting case mm. where the games, most most fighting games don't actually have a story anyway, but um, they usually tell like a an ending. They have like an ending cutscene where if you you pick a character and it kind of shows what happens if they want, win the tournament, which is usually fighting games. It's a tournament. Um, but 90, 1995, where they adapted it into a live action film, I thought they did pretty well with um what little they had. Um, I mean, there's a core story, and uh, they got kind of creative with it. Whoever I can't recall who wrote it, and mm-hmm. I think who directed it was Paul Paul W. Anderson. I think his name. I'm not sure. Um, I will say that um, fighting games are an interesting case in which the the there is uh, a story in a lot of them. It's just not in the game. Yeah. Um, you have to look other places for the story in Mortal Kombat, um, Dead or Alive, games like that, where they actually have a pretty deep, like, mythos and, and like, the, the characters have a lot of, like, relation to each other. But then the game, in the game, you're just fighting. You know, like, there, there's very little, like, actual in-game story. Mm-hmm. But I feel as though, like, like uh, Mortal Kombat uh, honestly has more to work with than... No, I, I can say this with sh- with certainty. It has way more to work with than <laughs> Super Mario Brothers did, right. because that was just a cash grab that came out when they were really just trying to cash grab for everything Mario that was possible. You know, 
on the, on the flip side, Mortal Kombat has never been as big as Mario. And so like the, the idea that they, that the, the people that were making the movie actually wanted to take it and make it into a movie, you know, like, and, and I'm sure to a certain extent it was, you know, we'll be pandering to the people that like the video game, but I don't think that, um, it was, it wasn't a safe bet to make money. So, right. <laughs> you know, it, it it tends to to turn out better when when you're not just trying to make money, you know. Yeah, yeah. and you have to be careful about how much uh, you're adapting from the source material because uh, it seems to be one of the problems that they're having is uh, taking either too little or taking too much. But um, you got to take a good chunk of stuff, but then come up with something new. Yeah, I think the issue a lot of times is that, well, you know, you always think, well, when they bring it to the big screen. They're wanting to get a broader audience. They're wanting to get more viewers. Yeah. But, you know, who is that audience? Like, there's going to be a huge niche audience of the actual, like, original fans. So they're going to definitely uh, appreciate the continuity and the originality or, or you know, taking the original um, content. And that's one of the big, definitely a big problem for anime to live action films. They um. Like you said, they already have that fan base, and that's interesting that anime usually it originates from Japan, and then they bring it over here to the states, and they're able to make a dub, an English version. Uh, they you know they have script writers to translate Japanese to English, and then not only that, they have to rewrite the script in such a way that they can match the mouth movements in the animation because they do the animation first yeah. and then they have to do the acting to it. And that's even how they do it in Japan. Mm -hmm. uh, so they actually have more technical, more of a technical hurdle to go through. And it seems like um, when they do an English dub of anime, like Viz Media is a, a studio that does that. And they seem to have a pretty good time of, of doing that, which is why there's a fan base in English speaking countries. But then it's odd that live action animes are, are so bad it's like where are the filmmakers going wrong and they're not having that um they're not keying into what made it mm -hmm. so attractive in the first place which i think would help if they had the original creators or even the people that are translating it into english and, and directing the english dubs if they had them on board well i feel as though like if we're gonna take this like genre by genre basis uh, live action version of anime to me it doesn't work because of what anime is you know yeah it's an over-the-top uh like way beyond realistic telling of stories you right. know usually stories that involve a lot of combat a lot of action you know um and i mean like that's what you're kind of watching anime for usually. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know that it works better in video games to me. Um, I've yeah. heard that the, the attack on Titan adaptation in video game form worked really well, or at least decently well, mm -hmm. but like, you know, anime is built around the concept of being animated. It, you know, all the crazy facial expressions and their reactions to things and, and all that stuff is, is heavily is grounded in, in the fact that it's animated. And so to take it and try and make it live action seems a little silly to me, even like just not a great idea. Generally speaking, unless you're taking one of the more subdued ones and even then you'd have to change it a lot. Um, to the point where it's almost not even worth attaching to the original. Right. And yeah, in, in doing that, they're missing the origin of anime, which is the, back in the day, the Japanese cinema, the, the industry there, they didn't have much money to go around. Is you know, Hollywood seems to be the case of they have bigger budgets to work with. Yeah. Other, other markets don't have as much. So mm -hmm. that's specifically... Uh, I was watching this documentary. This is this is where I'm getting it from. Um, a documentary on the origins of anime, and they kind of went into, yeah, Japanese. The market there didn't have as much money, so they had to make it into anime. And also, I think 
given that they had given the way that Japanese the culture there there's a cultural context and then the way that they tell stories seems to be tailor made for animation. Yeah, exactly. I I I believe that that's true. Um and and if we're going to take it on a genre by genre basis and kind of say why, you know, adaptations don't particularly work for anime, then that would be the main reason why is because it is firmly based on the concept that it's going to be animated and that you can do whatever you want in the context of animation. Like there's no limits to what you can make the people that you're animating do. Yeah. I think like Michael was saying, the issue that they do have with the transition of bringing it to a bigger screen and a bigger audience is that, um, you know, with anime, it's very over-exaggerated and you talk about like the facial expressions and things like that. And a lot of stuff, you know, you can't get actors or even like CGI sometimes to portray that as well. And there's so much vivid like colors and um, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, artistry that goes along with it. Yeah. And you could, you could say similar things for video games because they too are animated in a different sense of the word. But again, like video games that that have been adapted into movies, the ones that typically work in the case of like Tomb Raider are the ones that are more realistic. Um, Because the, a lot of modern video games are becoming very Mm -hmm. movie-like. And there's really not that much of a separation only in the fact that you have a lot of control over where over what the character does, maybe not where the story goes, but you have a lot of control about what the character does on a, on a, a minute by minute basis. Whereas with movies, you're just kind of ex- watching it. And it's w- kind of washing over you and the characters making decisions and you don't have any control of that. Right. It seems as though, like you said, like we're saying, it's video games are com- becoming more cinematic. It seems like the best approach would be to um, keep the cinematics in kind of cut out the gameplay, but then kind of uh, kind of rewrite or, or fill in some gaps where uh, the story will kind of fit in, like, you know, basically kind of do some editing. Because uh, the reason I say that is because there's a YouTube video I was watching where I, evidently someone took the cutscenes from the Metal Gear Solid games. Uh, actually, all four of them are on there. And they did a pretty decent job of cutting them together to make a cohesive story. Uh-huh. So I'm kind of wondering if maybe that's the best approach is to just take the cutscenes from the games and just kind of, if there's some gaps, kind of do some rewrites or, or, or fill in some plot points. But um, Sure. I mean, if that's, if that's the kind of thing that you want to, to, to do or to experience, and I'm sure that that's good for a, for a certain subsection of people that don't have time to play video games. Yeah. And it works really well for Kojima games, who the guy that does Metal Gear Solid, because mm-hmm. that's just the kind of guy he is. He likes the long the long winded cutscenes. But like, if video games are becoming more like movies, then why can't we just let them be video games? You know, yeah. um, why do they have to be adapted in, in, into movies? Um, and why is this such a common thing? You know, like, I don't even necessarily believe coming at, from someone that likes video games and, in, you know, enjoys playing them. Um, I don't even necessarily believe that they tell very interesting stories most of the time. Yeah. Um, so why do we even have to, you know, <laughs> tell those stories in different mediums, if you ask me? So maybe that's, uh, maybe that's specific to if, video games to live action, anime to live action, or even TV shows to live act to film because there's already a story being told or, or if there's like video games, there's a little bit, there's a story already being told, but you're just tr- basically translating from one medium to another. So I, yeah, I get your point where it's yeah. what, what's the point of doing that? But I think an interesting case would be like books to film. Yeah. Cause that's where you're in books. You're getting more of a kind of personal Mm-hmm. chance to read the book the story and kind of be more contemplative and and of course with the descriptions they they just have words to use to describe the characters and the yeah. places but um i think the appeal of a book to a movie adaptation is that you want to see this person 
uh, this character and these stories come to life in uh, visually and audio, uh, audio, audibly. Uh, yeah, yeah, audibly. Because um, yeah, you want you kind of imagine in your when you're reading a book, you you just have your imagination of what they look like, yeah. where they're going, the settings, and what they sound like. But um, I guess it it kind of does a service to you, uh, when when you can actually see uh who what the kind of person they are and kind of the interpretation that the filmmaker makes because uh, that's yeah. that's what um seems to be the what's worked for you know like the Hunger Games for example and a lot of the Stephen King films is that they you know they take um take the story and then bring it to life so that you can kind of get a more feel as far as the tone and the texture and the personality of the characters yeah uh and there there's been plenty of book to movie adaptations uh that have taken off and, and really done well um there there's there's no doubt about that um but again like but I, I believe that we've we've talked about this in the past but uh um you know books and movies are like the stories in books and movies are told in different ways and right like it doesn't tend to translate well. And so in order for a book to movie adaptation to work, it has to kind of go a different direction um, and tell the story in a different way. Yeah, A lot of stuff has to be left out because let's look uh, at the most you have maybe two hours, two hours to 45 minutes uh, of a window to like get all the stuff for um, a book that might have even multiple volume, you know, like, so Mm -hmm. then that, of course, they have to do a trilogy or something like that. And then, you know, of course, there's always going to be something left out. And one of the biggest ones I think of is like the Stephen King books mm-hmm. because he encompasses a lot of stuff and a lot of them are intertwined with a yeah. lot of symbolism. So the most recent one, of course, everyone knows is the It movie with the clown Pennywise and everything. Yeah. And so they actually did... um uh, years back, the it was a two-part miniseries, so they just did it in two nights. Yeah, and um, it it was very similar. I think a lot of what they're doing now with the current movie, and of course, it's um, being set up to have a sequel with it too, like a two-part. Mm-hmm. Um, they got a lot of that basis off of the original um, miniseries, but the miniseries, of course, was based on the book, and a lot of stuff like I said Stephen King uses a lot of symbolism is left out um and I'm going to say this uh spoiler alert if you've re- reading the book but mm. as far as the movie it doesn't really it, it's left out so it doesn't tie in but there's a lot of symbolism with like Native American culture like a turtle and um the, the turtle is without saying giving a lot away like the turtle is actually a big part in the book and you don't see it at all like mentioned in the movie Mm -hmm. or the miniseries and also too i noticed uh, i was looking up the book and the uh, differences between that and the film they seem to have missed some of uh pennywise's or actually it they they missed uh, some of his abilities where i was reading it and it was describing where he could turn into a mummy a uh, swarm of leeches and there's actually a scene where it was describing where he he turns into a swarm of leeches and sucks one of the characters uh blood until he he dies which seemed really that seems really hor- uh, horrific horrific and that would be kind of interesting to kind of portray on uh in a film so it's like you're kind of missing some of some of the horror when you just keep because yeah. the movies just kept him as the 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 clown. I think there was a couple scenes where there, like he didn't turn into a, like a spider. Yeah, there the yeah. original one. The whole premise of Pennywise is that he's this shapes shapes shape shifting demonic presence, mm-hmm. something to that effect, and um, that he preys on your fears, so he shifts into what your fear is, and you actually see that a lot in the new movie. Um. Uh, that he portrays, he he like, you know, preys on each of their fears, whether it's spiders, whether it's um something deeper like your fear of your own father. You, you know, if you um going into the female character in mm-hmm. the movie, 
in the original miniseries, there is like the end where they're in the, I guess the sewer mm-hmm. where it, it turns into a spider or something, but, um, I don't know. I think, I think the latest, uh, movie did actually really well. It, um, portrayed it, I thought very well. I thought it encompassed mm-hmm. like, you know, what Pennywise was supposed to be. It was, it was scary to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that like you were, you got it at it a little bit earlier, but like, in movies, you have like three hours tops before people start to really be like, this movie's too long. Um, and, but with books, like, it can take upwards of 10, 15 hours for some longer books. Right. Like, and it all depends on your personal speed and ability to read. But, uh, you know, I'm a slow reader. And even for slower books or for shorter books, it would take me like, five to ten hours and like there's just so much more time that you can spend on really mundane seemingly unimportant things um and you don't have that kind of time with movies um yeah and i think one thing to take note of is that people who are you know reading these books they're invested you know what i mean like they're they're taking time out of their day to you know do this they're, they're invested in the characters it's not just this um one hit wonder like a uh, blockbuster showing yeah that everybody's going to see for the premiere night like it's something that they're going to probably read the whole trilogy they're going to buy all the books you know maybe even a t-shirt <laughs> so right yeah, so reading a book seems to take more cognitive to be more a- cognitively active and definitely in- invested into what one what the story is what's the story going on the narrative with the themes and what they're, the message is trying to tell you. And then what some of the, what I was saying before about imagining what the characters and the settings look like. So you, you kind of have to go inward and, and kind of invest personally into a story that's uh that's literature as opposed to just a book where they're kind of already giving you a lot of the stuff, at least visually and, and the sound. So, um, yeah, I could see, see why it'd probably be, some people will probably be, feel better to read a book as opposed to see the movie. Right. And, um, you know, I have my roommate. She uh, has read all the Harry Potter books and let's see the Divergent series and then the Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. And I think even the Maze Runner. Those have all been made into movies to some extent. Yeah. And uh the continual thing that she will always come to me when we watch the movie she's like man it is it's not that didn't happen you know she's just like it wasn't like that she gets yeah. very tiffed about it and i think it was um hunger games that may have i guess been the most um correct and ad- adherent to the books yeah. maybe and i know like for my with my roommate personally she didn't like the second installment of the divergent series because it wasn't adherent to the m- mm. book, I mean, you know? Yeah, talking about the Hunger Games, I mean, those movies, like, uh, so I think that I saw the first one and the second one. First of all, they were both, like, pretty much the same movie. But right. that's beside yeah. the point. They're also both, like, three hours long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they they take it all the way to the limit of what you can do in the movie, basically, uh, as far as length and time and the amount of things that they tried to fit in. So I could see... And with a story that seems to be complicated and like sophisticated in a lot of ways, but still pretty simple, you know, it's about a girl who who gets drafted in, into a a warlike sport for the entertainment right. of the high of the upper class. It's like that's a simple story. Society, yeah. Type. Thing. That didn't even necessarily need to be a book in the first place. You know, that's not that's not a very complicated story as far as that goes. Um, you know, once they started adding sequels of different characters and things, you know, then then all the all of the bets are off. But I think that that worked as a movie well because it was a simple story. Um, whereas a lot of books are complicated, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, especially looking at like. 
you know, the Lord of the Rings right. or uh, Game of Thrones, which they they're doing TV right now, which is better for that. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, and I mean, even type of thing, even movies with their whole cinematic universe, and then this whole franchise. You look at Star Wars, and then um, Blade Runner, uh, which they uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine recently um, had come out, and those are very deep. Like I'm, I'm not sure how many books there is in the Blade Runner series, but yeah, there. I mean, it, it encompasses this whole other universe, uh-huh. and you can only you you can only explain that so much in a movie. And I think a lot of times the downside is unless you're a very unless you are a dedicated fan who has read up on the history of like the book and the character and why this happens and who that is you kind of get a little lost and there's a lot of questions. Yeah. Actually, I think that's what's, that's kind of cool. You you uh, brought up the Game of Thrones because that's something I was just now thinking of. Of We're, we're saying movies kind of have like a time restraint of two hours or so to kind of tell all this mythology that a book already established or an anime or whatever already established. But then I wonder about, um, you know, adapting it into a TV series because you got more time. Yeah. You can you can package the story into twenty two to thirty minute episodes, and it's easier to kind of get all those complexities and for the audience and also the audience to digest the the bigger story. Yeah, well, that, that, I think that's what I'm saying is like the TV series can potentially be limit. Uh, unlimited as far as how long it goes. Yeah. As long as you keep getting renewed for seasons, you can tell every single little bit of story that the books do if you care right. that much and it matters, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why Game of Thrones is successful is because it's it's digesting a book in the form of a TV show, you know, rather than trying to f- to cram a thousand page book into a two hour and a half long movie. Um, but TV series are long, especially with like game of Thrones where they're going for like what eight seasons at this point and each episode's 40 minutes and who knows how many episodes there are per season. Like it's, it's a long time and they've got a lot more opportunity to actually fit those things in and explore a lot different story arcs, which is what books do. They do a lot of crap that movies just can't. Now, well, how do you guys feel about movies to TV adaptations? Because, uh, back in the nineties, I think in the early two thousands, they did some of the Disney did some of their movies into animated series like Aladdin, uh, the Lion King. I think there was like a spinoff series that focused on Timon and Pumbaa. Okay. Well, (laughs) I mean, that's a little bit different because I feel like a lot of those, um, they do on like the network itself. Like what is it? Um, Madagascar. Mm -hmm. They had a little like, a series for penguins of Madagascar, like the little yeah. talking penguins. But I mean, that was just on Nickelodeon. And I mean, they even have these like holiday specials with uh, the Shrek movie. I remember getting that and I was like, oh my gosh, it's a whole nother movie. I mean, I was a kid. I didn't understand. And it was like a 30 minute thing on Shrek for Christmas. And I was just sorely disappointed. But yeah, they do stuff like that. So here is my thoughts on this specific topic. I believe, and I believe that I will. I I stand by it pretty firmly that the only movie to TD TV adaptation coming from Disney or Nickelodeon or anything or the 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 younger generation, uh, their their networks. The only one that worked for me was The Emperor's New School, which came from The Emperor's New Groove. Right, I remember, and yeah. it was good and it worked because of the particular comedy style that that movie mm-hmm. lived in um that wasn't difficult to recreate in 24 minutes and was not based on any sort of like overarching convoluted plot like even go back and watch the emperor's new groove again it was pretty simple as far as things go it, it's it's your average story of like you know, guy gets beat up and he has to, you know, humble himself in order to, you know, 
get back to where he was before and there's you know a, a traditional villain and like all of these things like it's a really simple story the story is really only there to drive the humor <laughs> and that's what yeah. made it work as a tv show to me but when they did like aladdin and stuff it was like okay so like what's the point you know yeah i think mm-hmm. those are very much of a fad and they're very short-lived yes exactly they are um which you know I, I, I just don't like that doesn't usually work for me. Yeah. And I can't think of very many examples of, of anything like that happening out of like more adult movies. Um, I could I couldn't give you any examples. So, yeah, I they think, obviously haven't stuck in my mind. Either. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> think it's something for a younger um, audience. Now, what about um Star Wars? Because there was there's the trilo- original trilogy. The prequels, yeah, and, and then, then the uh, Star Wars Clone Wars well, series. Well, I never watched the Clone Wars actually. I, yeah, I haven't either. Again, that is still a little different because Star Wars has its own universe. Mm-hmm. There's the, you know, and we can get into this as a like canon, non-canon. Well, yeah, you know, I, mean, I I I feel as though like again, I haven't watched, it, but I, like in in that case, I I think that. I've heard that that people liked it. Yeah. And I, I think that it probably worked because Star Wars, had, like the movies did not tell the whole story. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, they're still telling the story. Whereas with something like Aladdin, it was like, you've, you've told the whole it, story. There's nothing you know? else There's left nothing to else tell. to tell. Yeah. <laughs> and so in order to do a TV show, you have to add things like unnecessarily to me whereas with with star wars the clone wars they were just telling more of the story right um given the universe and the mythology that's there yeah exactly because it's, it's so vast that you could keep telling different stories so because yeah because i've seen the uh star wars clone wars and it's it's really good it has all the kind of the original characters uh well, other than because it's a it's kind of in between you know attack of the clones and yeah event, revenge of the sith and of course, there's the new character Ahsoka, but yeah, they really dive into character development, the story arcs, and it, it does take its time. And of course, what we were saying with a TV series, you could do more with it, and, yeah. and you have the time, and and that's it. Really keyed in on that. So for me, I can't get into. I've seen the original trilogy and the prequels, but I really got into the animated series, and um, yeah, I I, I, I kind of feel like that's a case where it it paid off to go from movie to TV series. Right. Well, as far as like um, going more into adaptations and I think talking about TV series, mm-hmm. um, some of the ones that definitely stick out in my mind is the recent of one. I think it came on TNT was the alienist mm-hmm. and they're actually taking a break from the first season, but it was really good. I have not read the book, but I think it's interesting mm. because it's something for someone who they go into it watching the movie first. It kind of makes you want to re- read the book as well. So I think it's it can go both ways, you know, like you watch the movie or you read the book, then you watch the movie yeah. or you watch the movie and then you read the book. And I think that's something you've even seen like with the Twilight series, like mm-hmm. all the girls were like getting all the books, you know? Yeah. Now, what about a case of, Again, reversing it instead of video game to movie. What about movie to video game? How common is that? Yeah, I really don't see that a lot. Yeah. I don't think because you're actually downsizing, I feel like. Yeah. You know, like. I disagree with that statement, but I don't, I can't think of any examples. Are there any examples? Um, It's not common. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, I know there's some. So. So like you could have like <laughs> back back when I was young I always remembered knowing that movie video games were going to be terrible. Yeah. All the time because they were just a, a it, it was a cash in. Um and I don't necessarily think that that has to be true and I think that there are movie video games that were good. The Kung Fu Panda video game I think for one I played was like good for what it's worth um and what it's worth is being bundled with the xbox 360 because it's because nobody would want to buy it otherwise um 
but if you like i i feel as though the best movie to video game adaptations are probably the lego video games that do that a lot um and but they don't try to tell the story in any complex way there it's more of a parody Mm -hmm. um and I, i mean i think it works for that context because again movies and video games tell stories differently and it's not necessarily a downsize, but it's just a different idea. Well, when I say downsize, I guess it, I say it more subjectively, not the okay. actual self thing itself. You know, you're going from big screen to video games, but it's downsizing the content. Yeah. That's actually, in, you know what I mean? Like you say, you can't, when you're going from a movie or a book or something to something like a video game, well, the purpose is to play it. Well, sure, yeah. Because there's, well, Star Wars, of course, has, they have a bunch of video games. There was the Matrix trilogy. They have some video games. Mm. Um, yeah, there's quite, quite a number of them out there, but I, I kind of always thought of it as, well, you've watched this story and, and kind of had it unfold before you in, in a hour and a half or two hours but then the video game the idea was to kind of sometimes you'll watch a movie or you read a book or an original story and you kind of put yourself in in the place of the characters like you'll live vicariously through them sure Mm -hmm. and i'm thinking the 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 selling point for video games to is to what movie did video games is to do that kind of let the audience live vicariously and to be more interactive to the story Right, and like, I mean, there are some instances, I don't know if they really took off, I just know as a kid, like, some of the big movies, you know, growing up, like Shrek, there was a video game they made for that. Yeah. And. Well, I I will say that I think that movie to video game almost never works because it's telling the same story. Oh, so you know where it's going, you know? But you've also got to play through it. Mm-hmm. And to me, the purpose of a video game is so that I can affect the world in some way. You right. know, whether I'm, you know, saving it through my actions or I'm, you know, destroying it or, you know, whatever I'm doing to it, I should feel like my actions have purpose. Mm-hmm. But when I've played movie video games in the past, I feel as though I, my actions don't have purpose because I know where the story's going. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, I see what you're saying. It's almost like going to a haunted house and knowing where every jump scare is, you know? Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. yeah, like you, you know where all the big points are and, and it's too predictable in that fact and it doesn't really capture the essence of what a video game should be, if you ask me. Now, now do you think it would work in a case where the story, the movie or originally didn't have as much uh, story to tell? Because uh, I, I just thought of a good one is um, the Power Rangers. Well, originally it was a TV series, but they uh, they have a couple games that I played when I was little, and then the idea is yeah, sure, you you know the the Mighty Morphin and all that. It was kind of cheesy, yeah. Didn't really dive into much character development. It wasn't mm. as complex, yeah. But the idea with that was you're a kid. The idea of being a superhero again, like I was saying, you live vicariously through the Power Rangers and you play the game, but it seems as though because there's little story. That maybe maybe that might fix what what you're saying is that you see all the uh, the plot points and you've kind of gone, already gone through it. If if right. it's a story that originated that didn't have as much, do you do you feel like it'd be a worthwhile game? Well, I think one thing that you got to remember is particularly particularly with uh, things like Power Rangers, mm-hmm. uh, you're appealing again to a younger demographic, right? So perhaps the reason they don't go as in depth is because you know. The child isn't going to digest all of that. There's no, there's no real point. Yeah. And I think that that does work because what is Power Rangers at its essence, if not just the act, uh, you know, a Saturday morning cartoon with a lot of action, right. you know, um, but, and action works in video games because that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so do you think you could get into this since it's more action? Would could you, I could, get into it? Yeah. No, no, okay. <laughs> no, because I, because no, I mean, not Power Rangers specifically, but well, a, a story. Well, sure. Um, be, I couldn't personally get into it, no, because I have a very specific 
subset of things that I want to experience in a video game. Mm -hmm. And one of those things is some kind of a story, you know, where I feel like I'm affecting things. Um, And even then, it's like a Saturday morning cartoon. Like, I know how it's going to turn out. Like, I'm going to beat the bad guy. I'm going to save the, you know, the the damsel in distress. You know, you you see what I'm saying? So even if if the story's not as complex and it doesn't, it's kind of cheesy, you still saying it won't, it doesn't do it for you. Yeah. I I mean, I I could play it. Like, I I won't say that I couldn't play it. It would probably be fun if the gameplay was good, but yeah, it wouldn't capture me for a long time. Yeah, I think for me personally, and this might go for you as well, Michael, one of, um, where you see like combat games, uh, for example, like Mario Party, or not Mario Party, but Smash Bros. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Those I can do in a, high volume of like in a crowd like when there's multiple people but as far as something like i want to play one-on-one with me and my console i want a story or or some kind of like adventure some you know there's a purpose that feels with depth yeah like you're going it's going somewhere there's a direction Mm -hmm. and that direction is decided by me (laughs) right yeah it's not like from the yeah console i'm not being railroaded right yeah um yeah well, one thing um, that, you know, has kind of gotten bigger in the recent years is the live action, like the adaptations from uh, children's storybooks. Disney does it a lot. Now. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to kind of finish out this discussion, I think, um, and, and piggybacking off of that, um, I want to pose a question. Why are adaptations, remakes, things like that so unbelievably popular right now as far as what people are making? You know, like the content creators, this is such a common thing. You pick out, you know, you probably have a one in five chance of picking any random movie from the past couple of years, and it's probably a remake or a reboot of something. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, even if it's not obvious. And so, like, why is this becoming such a big thing? I think, uh, for me personally, like you see the nostalgic factor when it's a lot of things right. that they pull from your childhood or from previous years that at one point was like super popular, was a super hit, and they're just revamping it. Yeah. Another thing I think for people who come to the screen or watch a TV series that's been adapted or rebooted from something previous is the writers and the producers just see, just see a certain piece of content and they think, Hey, you know, this could be something that could go somewhere. It could be productive. It could be beneficial. It could be monetary, you know? Yeah. And I think that's just something from the eyes of somebody in Hollywood or somebody, you know, who knows what uh, the mass society wants to see. Right they're kind of intuitive with that and you know it's a hit or miss once it gets to mm-hmm. the audience i think the reason it's it, it's popular is because um there can also be a interpretation factor where you you got a story told in a certain way uh once around and then another director or another writer and producer comes around and says hey i saw i saw the original and there was some themes that i saw here and then some themes that wasn't ex- wasn't ex- explored there, and they kind of want to, I guess, give a different spin to it. And yeah. uh, some cases that's that's good because you know from one artist to another, we uh, we influence each other, we um, inspire each other. So that's uh, I think as far as the artistic, uh, the craft of it, I think that's good for for all of us, for filmmakers, writers to kind of inspire and to touch on themes, maybe some of someone missed something and, and you kind of say, Hey, this is something we could explore. And then also too, but this is kind of going to more critical reasons is, and we've said this before was it's usually a crash grab, a cash grab. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, on the part of the studio, it's, there's a fan base already built in and and I'm, I'm really critical about, um, being an anime fan. I think this is why they do it. They want to make a live action feel because there's already a fan base built in and they just want to cap, kind of capitalize on that. But then yeah. they don't do it justice, which right. I feel like, again, going along with that theme of the craft is I feel like it's disrespectful. Yeah. Because you're you're taking something 
and especially anime being from another culture you're not being culturally sensitive you're not seeing the spirit of yeah. something for what it is and you're di- kind of disrespecting the fans of it because they see the spirit they know what it is which is why they're attracted to it and then you just disservice them when you don't capture it and you're not being meticulous on getting the nuances of the story that they that they know and love right well i mean like you know it's easy money a lot of times mm-hmm. and it's something that they could easily do and i think a lot of times we've talked about this in previous episodes is sometimes these producers or writers kind of run out of ideas so they just kind of recycle ones. Yeah. yeah. That's my primary reason. Yeah. That I was about to that I was about to mention is just that like you know, you don't have to hire as many writers if you're not creating a completely new story from the ground up. Exactly. And again, easy money, it's um expediting the process. Yep. And you know, you see this a lot of times um in movies like we were talking with the live action, for example, uh, Maleficent it is a take on Sleeping Beauty. Right. But, okay, essentially same story, but what they do is they just flip the script on who's telling the story. Yeah, I like stuff like that. Yeah, so, and, and again, that that's why they do it. It works, you know. Yeah. Again, it's kind of easy money, but it's Built still... Built-in fan base. Yeah, it's still a little bit of originality. Yeah, yeah, That that's that's probably the, the most uh, useful way to adapt stories if you ask me um or to reboot them or whatever whatever you want to say but i think that everything that you that that we've said today here is is right um as far as you know why the it's so so much of a thing and why it's so inundated in our uh in our cinema culture okay I, well, I guess we're probably going to wrap up here um but i just wanted to pose just one more question uh since we're talking about adaptations and and to suspend your disbelief or your your criticism of 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 how successful or how much they failed, I just wanted to ask you guys what what do you feel as though feel that would be a good adaptation? Either if there's a TV so, TV show you've seen or a game or a book that you would kind of want to see adapted into a new medium. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and I'm sure I'm not alone when I say this. Um, the TV series Friends, mm. you know, when it ended, uh, it just ended, you know, like they kind of not yep. necessarily go their separate ways, but you know, everything, uh, ends great and, you know, without telling every, like giving it away. But I think yeah. it would be neat to see. And again, if you've not gotten to a certain point in the series, uh, this might be spoiler, but, um, seeing where Chandler and Monica leave off when they have the kids or even seeing where Ross and Rachel leave off, you know? Yeah. And, uh, even more specifically, like what if like the kids ended up like being like the next generation of friends, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that'd be pretty neat to see. Again, my fear would be that they didn't do it justice or that it wasn't as you know comical, like the original that mm-hmm. tend to have, that tends to happen a lot. Unfortunately, uh, they did a spinoff called Joey. Oh, yeah. I that. And mm-hmm. yeah, I don't didn't think. Didn't last long, no. Yeah, not at all. So I think it might have been killed in the first season, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just sad. But yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate because, you know, you're like, you want to see that live on, but at the yeah. same time, at what cost to the continuity um, and originality of what mm-hmm. it was, it prede- its predecessor was. Yeah. I would love to see a movie version or just a a movie in the Stranger Things universe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think that it, it works uh, because the like the the Duffer Brothers are already kind of framing it like a movie in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, calling it Stranger Things two and like all, all of these different things. They're they're kind of framing it like you know, the Stephen King movies from the past um, in a lot of ways. And, and I think that it could just be cool to, to see them actually make a movie of it. Um, maybe, but I, yeah. I, w- I would take more of the TV show over that probably. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, something that might, that might be something to come. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I could see it. I can see it happening. Yeah. So what about for you, Kaylin? Uh, Personally, 
I'm thinking I'd be interested to see a live action either series or movie of Rocket Power. I don't Ooh, know if anybody, yeah. you remember that? The, Absolutely, the, the yes. Nickelodeon show. It was basically a group of kids that were really into extreme sports, you know, skateboarding and snowboarding and all that. And um, I kind of wonder if there was something they they could key in on as far as the, the original show, but then, you know, taking it to live action. Maybe that could be something no. for the kids to show, you know, kids that are active and, and productive in sports and kind of yeah. showing friendship and teamwork and those themes that that show uh, had presented and then kind of bringing it for a new generation, especially, I don't know if it was, it kind of was a little ways back, but I don't know if it's still around the, uh, the whole thing about, you know, kids being a little bit more active. I think uh, Michelle Obama, she had, she had a program. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm talking Yeah. Th- oh yeah. So that was that kind of, that kind of activism of, getting kids more active. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a really good way to present that in pop culture to show, hey, kids, it's, um, you know, you can be into sports and be safe and have uh, and teamwork and all that. And, it, I, you know, I just feel like it'd be some really good themes there that they could um, I agree. use on that. I agree. Yeah, that, I think, that's a good one. I think that would be actually really funny because if you remember the show, like the characters looked really wild and, uh, their yeah. hair. I remember thinking it looked like Cheetos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, if they could, if they could properly yeah. uh, 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 do a a live action adaptation of the characters themselves, I think that could be pretty interesting. Yeah, I think that's um, that's pretty neat. That's a good idea. Neat idea. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, and in production wise, as far as casting, you might have to find some kids that are really they're at one or actually into extreme sports and can pull off some of the uh athleticism of the of the show. Mm-hmm. And I also just a and to end it here, I wonder if it might kind of revitalize that that subculture because that's something in the '90s I know, and uh, that well the show premiered in 1990. Yeah. But in the '90s it was really big because of ESPN and especially Tony Hawk yeah, and his popularity. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So I I wonder if maybe that could somehow revitalize that whole scene. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I th- again, yeah. I think it'd be something very nostalgic for kids that were born in the 90s. Yeah. Know, going back. I'd go see it. Goodness. Episode. Yeah. Because movies do have a tendency to do that to kind of uh, inspire and reignite certain passions people have. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, that, that, def- that definitely be interesting to see. Yeah, live action of that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we have anything else? I think that's it for today. All right. We will talk to you all next week for the last episode of this particular uh, 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 season of the East Tennessee Pop Culture Podcast. I'm Michael. I'm Kaylee. This is Kaylee. We'll talk to you next week. See See you later. later.